0: This week on Dig Me Out.
1: with your host Jason Zia and Tim Minichi
0: Jay, this week we're checking out a band that's been on our to-do list since the very beginning. We've had uh, a lot of those knocked off this year when we've had a free week. We like to get to ones that have been uh, on the Dig Me Out agenda since year one. There's two bands, Jay, that uh, I was considering. One was Mind Bomb and the other was Mind Funk. I decided to go with the funk this time. (laughs) Ha ha maybe we'll get to mind bomb down the road sometime two bands that uh, both were on our to-do list we're doing mind funk's debut self-titled record from 1991 Jay, were you familiar with mind funk
1: i was very familiar with mind funk tell me um, why so this record well a couple of reasons one it was on the um which i talked about recently a compilation cassette actually they were on two of them so Blood Reds, or I'm sorry, Sugar Ain't So Sweet was on, uh, I think it was the Operation Rock and Roll, uh, compilation. So that okay. was, the, it was it was a, an abandoned tour by Judas Priest and a bunch of other bands during the Gulf War, and they called it Operation Rock and Roll. <laughs> uh, it was 1991, uh, the cassette had a desert camo, I remember, like a desert camo, uh, you know, paper wrapper on it. So anyway, they were on this because it was all at the Sony artists, I think. Um, they, so that song was on that comp. And then, um, sister blue was on another, I can't remember if it was on those, one of those Coca-Cola cassettes or something. So between that and they got a, this got a lot of publicity. I don't know. Uh, it was hyped quite a bit. So there were a lot of ads for the record before it came out. So I purchased it on CD. I think when it came out, because the version I got came with a free t-shirt, um which was interesting like I think the long box in the long box they somehow stuffed a t-shirt which I had for a long time so yeah I had never heard the band uh other than those comps and then just based on that and all the all the hype I I went ahead and got it so I uh listened to it quite a bit
0: fascinating I didn't know that anybody could stick a t-shirt into a long box in the 90s but uh cool yeah. Um, I was not familiar with this band at all. I had not listened to them and had not heard a lick of any of their tunes. So I'm going into this at the complete opposite end of this, having not heard anything about mind funk or any of the music. So quick note on their history. We'll get into some Patreon comments in a minute. but So they formed in... Uh, late not, late 80s, early 90s uh, from the ashes of some other bands. Uh, Patrick Dunbar, who's the vocalist, was in a band called Uniform Choice. Louis Zviztek, Zvitek, I don't know how you say his name, it's S-V-I-T-E-K. He's the guitarist. He was in a band called M-O-D, which stands for Method of Destruction. They were a New York City thrash band. And then they had, originally, Frank... Chiampi on bass and Sean Johnson on drums, I believe, or maybe that wasn't the original. Uh, No, I'm sorry. It was Jason Coppola was on guitar. John Monty was on bass, and Reed St. Mark was on drums. He was formerly of Celtic Frost, Um, and Jason Coppola was also in um, Chemical Waste. There would be some changeover after this record, Reed St. Mark, which sounds like a doctor that was on St. Elsewhere. Dr. Reed St. Mark. (laughs) Uh, And Reed St. Mark and Jason Coppola would leave the band. Coppola was replaced by Jason Everman, Jay, who was previously in Nirvana and Soundgarden. Mm. And then he would leave the band to join the army. So Reed St. Mark was then replaced by Sean Johnson. John Monty would make it, through the next record, and then he left, was replaced by Spike Xavier, who was then replaced by Frank Ciampi. So that's, I believe, everybody that's been in the band. So they have the self-titled record from 1991. That was released on Epic. Uh, They were dropped from Epic while working on the second record, which is called Dropped. And that was released in 1993 on Mega Force Records, Jay. And then People Who Fell From the Sky was released in 1995 on the Music for Nations label. So, Louis, I'll say VTech, VTech, was uh, later on to play with Ministry. Later was joined by John Monty, who also later pl- performed with uh, Ministry, Jay. Let's get to our Patreon comments. On this record, I know there was some discussion about Mind Funk. Come on, they, wow. So why they, is this... Uh... While you do that, I'll
1: drop some trivia on you.
0: Drop some trivia on us, Jay.
1: The band was originally named Mind Fuck.
0: Yes, alert earmuffs, kids.
1: And the label said, uh, no.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine why. So All there's right. that. Here we go. Comments. Scott... Holgrom, I loved this album at the time and still like it quite a bit. Though now I might think I prefer their follow-up, which I think was called Dropped. You are correct. You know they used to be called Mindfuck, right? (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) I have a t-shirt just like that album pick with that spelling on it. Jade, what spelling was on your t-shirt?
1: Oh, yeah, mine was the cover, but it it, it was funk. Okay.
0: He says, I saw them play at the Caboose in Minneapolis when I was in high school on this tour. At the time, high school kids didn't go to shows at the Caboose. Their stage, the stage was just a taped off portion of the floor in the corner of the bar. Between the main set and the encore, the band left the stage, except for the drummer, who looked like he could snap me in two, who just crouched down behind the kit. (laughs) Okay. That's an interesting way to to do the in-between part of the show and encore. Um, Scott Witt says, I absolutely love this band and album. This was one of the albums that started pushing the boundaries of what was considered metal, kind of of a precursor of what was to come. They think they are akin to Warrior Soul. Plus, they had the pedigree of guys from Soundgarden, Celtic Frost, and M.O.D. And then uh, Keith Sawyer says, the most divisive LP in the WTSR Trenton, New Jersey Library circa 1991. There were those that adored it, and there were those that despised it. The former tried to push it up the charts. The latter found some creative ways to keep it off. Personally, I thought it was dreadfully misguided hodgepodge of conflicting styles, but then again, I wasn't much of a metal or funk fan either. In the pantheon of disappointing New Jersey major label bands, even the Spin Doctors came out smelling better. Interesting. So we got two ends of the spectrum. From our Patreon commenters. You can join them at Patreon.com forward slash dig me out to weigh in on such things. Jay, I do want to mention this album has actually been reissued. Uh in two 2000- thousand. Really? Yeah, in two thousand ten, Iron Bird, which is a label in the UK, reissued it on CD with three bonus tracks. Huh. Yeah, and it's currently. I mean you can pick it up via um Discogs. Iron Bird is a part of the Cherry Records, Cherry Red Records group which does all sorts of reissues as well as new stuff. Um they have it listed as out of stock on their website, but you can buy it used via Discogs. On vinyl? Uh you can buy it on vinyl too. There are uh US versions that are in like the 10 dollar range, and then if you were to import it from the UK, you can get it for like 5 what is it? What is the UK thing now? I don't know. With Brexit, I don't know what they're using as far as currency. <laughs> gold coins, five gold Pound, coins, pounds, pounds, shilling. Yeah, uh, <laughs> five shilling. Are they loonies? No, that's Canada, right? Um. So yeah, you can get this on. You can get the original on vinyl for relatively inexpensive. Drupals? <laughs> nice. Um, Bitcoin. I'm sure somebody will sell it to you for, with with a a Bitcoin. So let's get into this record, Jay. Since I was completely unfamiliar with it, and you've already expressed your familiarity with this record, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go first. I'm just yes. going to give you uh, one thing that I liked about this record, and I'm going to mention, or I'm going to, or I'm going to Scott echo what Scott Witt said, which was the sort of interesting place that this lands in. It's metal in the early nineties and I, and we get these records a lot and it's interesting that it clearly was influenced by some eighties metal, but it also dips its toe in the alternative end of things. And it makes for an interesting combination. Um, you could compare them to in some respects, their sounds of mother love bone, in this band that I could hear even some of his like word choices and phrasings you, you kind of, he kind of almost dips into like Andrew Wood territory with some of the vocals every once in a while. And I, I like that. It's not a straight ahead sort of thrash or heavy metal that you would expect with some of the pedigree of the guys in the band. I mean, there's a guy from Celtic Frost in here for God's sakes. You'd think it'd, you know, it'd be an interesting weird stew and it definitely is. The playing all around is just super, you know, it's superb. These guys have definitely all cut their teeth on previous bands and it shows in the musicianship. Um, So in terms of the one thing that I like, I like the overall of what they brought to the table in terms of, for 1991, this really kind of covers a lot of ground while staying pretty uniform in terms of uh, its presentation of, I guess, alternative metal. You know, if you were to say this is in the same category, like I said, with, uh, you know, they could play with grunt truck and they could play with Saigon kick and they could play with sort of these bands that kind of dip their toe a little bit here and there into different waters. Um, I'm okay with that. So, uh, I like overall the sound of the band and, and, uh, I like, um, Patrick Dunbar is a vocalist. So Jay, tell me, uh, what was one thing that you liked about revisiting this?
1: Uh, this is, these records are tough for me. Uh, they pop up here and there where uh, I listen to them a ton and they've taken a long break. So it's tough for me to separate sort of the familiarity and the nostalgia aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I like the most is um, well, two things. One, I guess I was taken aback by the energy. I just don't remember. I remember the, I guess, if I thought back to the record, I thought of it as being a lot more contrived, which... I felt like upon re-listen, it's actually, it's pretty, pretty amped. Uh, It feels like you can really hear the band uh, pushing a lot of this material and just being really expressive. And so that part came out to me, which, which I enjoyed. And then the other part was the Mother Love Bone thing, which you mentioned, which at the time, I, I mean, I would, I guess I heard this band maybe before Mother Love Bone. Because I didn't really get into Mother Love Bone, I don't think, until the, the 92 album which was like the compilation. Right. So, and I never made that connection at the time. Um, and now when I go back and listen to it, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and in, in a way it, re, it reminds me of how, and I love this 91 and 90, 91, 92, it's just such a weird time. Um, yeah, I love revisiting records from this time, but it takes me back to the, the promise of mother love bone. And I think this like they were supposed to be the next big rock band. They were supposed to be the next Aerosmith. And I think this band very much got a lot, probably got a lot of hype and funding because they were supposed to be the next Metallica or the next whatever, wherever metal was supposed to go. I think a lot of people thought this is, this was it, um, which obviously did not go in this direction necessarily. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Although you can hear things in here, like you can hear elements of like, this is probably a thrash band, but, they are, or there's, you know, players in here who play that style of music, but then they're like slowing riffs down and it's getting more of like a groove orient, orientation. Yeah. Like you would hear in, in Soundgarden at the time, which is cool. There's also sometimes where you can hear like the beginnings of desert rock kind of ideas Yep, of where metal would start to go. Just overall, my I think what I like best is just uh, it's an interesting time capsule of 1991 and uh, sort of what before we really turned the corner into, you know, Nirvana Pearl Jam land, sort of the possibilities seemed kind of open and endless. Um, and I think this band was, you know, representational of that.
0: Yeah. And I think your statement about beginnings or or hints of sort of the stoner – desert rock is spot on. There are a couple tunes here or there that kind of get into that. Like could almost be like early Caius, like bring it on. And there's, um, it's just, it's a weird combo that I would say for a a majority of the record, not every song is stellar, but the majority of the record in terms of just producing compelling, interesting, you know, Three to four to five minute long rock songs that don't quite fit into any very narrow category is is kind of an achievement. In terms of what I didn't like, there's you know there's a few tunes that don't really work for me. Um, Sister Blue being one of them. I feel Duh. like it's sa- it sounds like weird prog eighties. Like <laughs> it's, it sounds like I just it just brings the album to the to a halt for me some of the funk of mind funk I don't necessarily love which is not it's not overwhelming but they do kind of get there every once in a while it's not like there's this crazy slap bass all over the record or anything like that but there are some times where it feels there's just like a little bit of a funk element to it and I don't need that in the chili pepper I don't like the chili peppers and I don't need that here so I'm guessing you disagree with me on sister blue <laughs>
1: Well, it's tough for me. I I, I don't know. I love this song when I first heard it and I listened to it a ton. So I sort of have an attachment. Um, the production of it isn't great. Like that acoustic guitar sound is kind of awful. Yeah. I still think it's a pretty cool song.
0: though. I wish I just, it was like half as long as it is.
1: Yeah, it's too long. You know, what's funny, though, is it's very reminiscent of um, what's that Edie Brickell song, the hit.
0: I don't know the name of the song. It's, it's you know what blank, I'm talking you know? about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
1: Has a very similar feel to that song, and which is obviously not anywhere anybody would anticipate this record ever going. But there's a there's a the verses kind of remind me at mo- times of that tune. It's an oddball track on the record. The two, right? I mean, it doesn't really they don't really ever get close to this again. So
0: no, and it's it. just such a diversion from you know. Sugar Ain't So Sweet and Ride and Drive and those other songs are just they're just really good alt metal whatever you want to call them songs and that just just does not sit well to me and it just it just I think because it's just so long that it kind of kills the momentum and to getting to the back half of the record because that's a track seven and then I liked um Woke Up This Morning after that um and then Innocence even kicks it up a notch. I don't think they ever really approach a speed as much as fast as uh, on Innocence. Touch you is it's fine, it's it's a closing track and there's like I mentioned, there's some of that funk element in that song that I don't really care for. So like the, the the back half of the record is a little wonky for me. But like the first six songs are all really solid. But I can understand how this would divide people, like Keith was saying in nineteen ninety one because it's it is reminiscent of metal and it does have this weird direction so if you were if you were not tuned in to metal music at all and you were just straight up into indie and alternative music and you heard this you would just think this is another metal band but i think when you you know when you listen to lyrically what he's doing and how he's singing and just the overall presentation, it's its not quite as straightforward metal as maybe someone in 1991 who was disregarding it really understood. So, But I, I like these kind of records because they're, they're hard to pin down because it was such a weird, like you said, it's 90, to, 90 to 92 was such a weird time for metal music and for hard rock that uh, we get a lot of albums like this.
1: I expected myself to be bothered more by the funk elements, but it didn't bother me too much um, in that I felt they were more fleeting than I remember them being. Maybe it's like I've just become accustomed to the sound because it's, you know, after how many hits the red Hot Chili Peppers have had. At times, it also can sound a little bit like Jane's Addiction, which was a band that at the time I was just becoming familiar with. Right. So I, I guess I was more forgiving of that than I expected to be. I sort of went into this a lot more um, with a lot more doubt that I, that I actually wouldn't like it again. Um, but I found myself surprised that, um, I, I did quite a bit I, the, uh, I, I like the vocal as well. And it, it's pretty unique. Like I don't think he really sounds like many other people. Um, he has a kind of a bunch of different voices he can do and a pretty decent range. I don't know. What were your thoughts on the, on the vocal?
0: No, I, I definitely liked his vocal. I mean, it's sort of, you know, it's it's a weird space that he's in, in the sense that like it's not over the top, but then he does have some quirks to in so, in some of the songs. You know, sugar ain't sweet, and there's I think there's even another song where he even says the word stargazer that you know remind me of Andrew Wood. But then there are times where he reminds me of like Sebastian Bach and like you know like that that uh mid 90s album that we reviewed sub subhuman race mm-hmm. um it's something not de- ba- like i i don't think I don't think there's any spot on the record where he does something wrong vocally but it's uh you know, like it is it is kind of unique and I can understand why they would have a trouble finding a home at epic. Following the explosion of Nirvana in 91. Sure. Leading to them getting dropped. Yeah. Because like you said, it it seemed like this got a big push when it came out. And that makes sense based on the time.
1: Yeah. What would you think of the lyrics?
0: Some of them were okay. Nothing was great. Some of them were okay. And then some of them were kind of... That was another, I guess slight against him they, they weren't compelling or they felt like touch you and a couple other ones where it was like it's kind of felt like they were like pretty generic
1: yeah you but i think like a song like sugar ain't so sweet is pretty good in terms of hard rock lyrics yeah but yeah i'm with you there's it has its ups and downs a little time sometimes it gets um a little predictable in terms of what the phrases or rhymes are going to be and then um, then there's other times where it's, um, you know, it's got attitude and, you know, subject matter can get fairly interesting. And yeah. so it, 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 I guess it was inconsistent lyrically for me. Yeah. Um. So,
0: yeah, I, I definitely don't think that um, they were going to win any over anybody over based solely based on the lyrical content.
1: Yeah, it's one of those records where it's like, OK, is it going to be. Is it going to stand out as being so bad that it becomes an issue? Right. <laughs> you know? um, which I didn't think it. I don't think it was. I think it was. It was no, fine.
0: You do, really, in this case, as long as you can deliver a a memorable melody, mm-hmm. and the lyric is got a a decent hook, then that's all I really need. I don't need you to blow my mind with lyrics. Like it doesn't have to be exceptional it just can't be kind of goofy or embarrassing. Yeah. If you can just find the middle middle ground, then that's fine. Cuz like on that Wario Soul record, like that's a really good record, but sometimes the the lyrics are like overpowering. Yeah. to, to the songs.
1: Yeah. They're so yeah. I can hear that. Uh, what about the um the production? Do you think it holds up?
0: Mm, it's a little I, th- I feel like it's a little dated, yeah. Um, especially in, like, the drum end of things. Mm-hmm.
1: It's got and that you, kind of reverby. Yeah. Thubs, huh? and yeah, obviously I think the, the, yeah. the bass for me is um, a problem. It's a little too, like, I don't know, thrashy, like poppy sounding. Yes. Like snappy poppy.
0: And I don't know if that's because of where, uh, what's his name, John Monty was coming from. If that, because he was in a thrash yeah. band, and if that was his sound from that band. But it definitely um, definitely sounds a little dated. I felt like the guitars probably survived the best. I mean, his vocal's not like drenched yep, in reverb either, so it doesn't sound. Yeah, I think the
1: vocal vocal and the guitar really hold it together.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the rhythm section that's a little bit, just sounds dated. It's not like the playing is horrible or anything like that. Um it's I mean, like I said, they're, they're these are skilled players. It's just it's just the production end is like you can hear it a little bit.
1: When I put it on the for the first re-listen and uh you know, sugar ain't so sweet starts off and as soon as the cowboy part comes in, I was like F and A, all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like here we go. Like it's really like up tempo and snapping and yep. it's got a great kind of dark riff to it and yeah i was I was pleasantly surprised
0: yeah when he gets to like uh, what's something about his daddy was a poor boy
1: another startup uh, or um hard luck champion
0: yeah i mean that sounded so andrew yeah. wood when he yeah. was singing that which is fine i mean and i don't know that these guys from new jersey were tuned in to you know mother love bone which was pretty obscure out west at this point yeah. so I don't think that he was ripping him off in any way, shape or form. It's just interesting that some of the word choice and the way he phrases and delivers those lines, you know, is eerily similar in some respects.
1: Yeah. So, but, but I, I enjoyed that because there's not a whole lot of people that sound like him. So exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay.
0: But it's not surprising that this did not light up the charts in 1991. To be honest, you know, this is, uh, this comes out uh, what was the I think there was an actual di- march of 91 so by september you've got never mind yeah uh, which begins the you know supposed downfall of metal and hair bands and stuff like that and i you know this band kind of got i think caught up in that and then ended up on megaforce for their for their next record
1: Strange enough, I never, I never heard the second record. Um, hmm. just, uh, music changed so dramatically. Just I, even I, who liked this record, forgot about the band.
0: And that um, was produced with, um, it's interesting, uh, it was Terry date who did bad Motorfinger and Volga display of power and screaming T- trees. Um, uncle and anesthesia, which was the album before, uh, they broke through. Um, he did mother love bones, apple. Oh, okay. Soundgarden's louder than love. Uh, you know, he had, he definitely had a pedigree going back to metal church in 1984. Sure. So, you know, they, even though they were dropped by Epic, they still got a, a really good producer on board to, um, Produce that record so i am interested to, to check that out and it has jason everman on rhythm guitar and backing vocals so i don't know if if terry date is what brought everman to the band since they would were minus a guitar player when they started making this record um i'd be curious to learn the history on that let's talk about jay our overall thoughts on this record were the album better ep or decent single where are you at
1: I'm at a worthy album. Uh, it's ten songs. It's only forty-eight minutes, right? So they're they're in good shape there. There's we haven't gotten to the part in the '80s, uh, '90s where everybody starts uh putting eighteen songs on the record. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some some pieces and parts, and maybe a song or two that I don't love. Yeah. There's there's some production stuff that I'd love to go back and redo. Yeah, but. Overall, I enjoyed it quite a bit, and um, I think it's a really cool little time capsule of a you know a moment of the decade that uh, is unlike any other. So, I'm I'm all in.
0: I am going to go with seven of ten, which will make it a an album for me a short '70s record, but it's a seven but it's an album. I think it's an int- really interesting and and especially when you. Give it a couple listens and throw on some headphones and listen to it uh, loud. I think it helps. Yeah. Don't put this. Don't put this on some cheap earbuds. You gotta yeah. crank this record. Yes, and then it reveals sort of the the meat that's there. So,
1: and I think when it you know when it came out again, this was a time for me. I'm, I'm a lot of other people, right, didn't have a ton of money. So if I bought a CD, you better bet I was gonna spend a decent amount of time with it to make sure, you know? So, mm-hmm. and I think this is, a, this is one of those records where because of that, I think I was, it wasn't like anything I had in my collection at the time, but because I committed to it, because I put down the 18 bucks or whatever it cost at the time to buy the CD with the t-shirt, <laughs> uh, I was going to give it every chance. Right. So I think it took pretty, I remember it taking me a little time to, understand it you know and once i did i appreciated it now when i go back and listen to it i was like oh yeah this makes total sense to me now like at the time it was a little confusing and right you know i could have very easily you know had it been on a streaming service or somebody given it to me i probably wouldn't have spent very much time with it um so yeah those times will never come back i don't think
0: nope all right well that's two worthy albums from me and jay If you uh, like what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And you can join the discussion over at Patreon, like our commenters did, whose comments were read at the uh, beginning of this episode. Patreon.com forward slash dig me out. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're done. And we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out.
1: Thanks for listening. To support the podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash digmeout and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.